tired. So tired. Overtired. Welcome to, uh, we'll call it season two of Overtired with Brett Terpstra and Christina Warren. How's it going, Christina? Uh, it, it's good-ish. I mean, okay, it's it's great to be talking to you. It's great to finally be back with season two of Overtired. In general, I think that it would be disingenuous to say that the world is good. But right now, as we talk, like, I'm genuinely thrilled to be talking to you again and to be doing this show again. If we're being honest, the world is kind of shitty and this is a, a shining uh, a gem, a light in the dark for me to finally yes. be podcasting again with you. 1000% in agreement, 1000% in agreement. It's been over a year since we did one of these. For some reason, I thought that we'd recorded in October. No, we'd recorded in October and then we recorded in June and then now it's August. I, I don't even so. know what month it is because of pandemic time. It's March. It's honestly in my brain. It still is week, week 100 of March. Yeah. June 19th. Uh, just so everyone knows there's a new home for overtired on the web. If you go to overtiredpod.com. We're still uh, the misspelled version of Overtired, O-V-R-T-R-D, on Twitter. So we're we're working to rebuild our audience, uh, maybe make it even bigger. We're going to start uh, broadcasting weekly again, podcasting weekly again, uh, in the hopes of uh, building a real show out of this once again. Yeah, yeah, we're actually going to be kind of taking this seriously again, like we were in olden days. And I'm super excited. I was when you reached out to me, you're like, you want to start doing this regularly? I was like, yes, God, yes. Because again, to your point, like there's, I've, I've missed this. This has been one of the few kind of like shining beacons of light in an otherwise kind of terrible universe. So you had a birthday since our last episode, right? I did. I did. And you'd it's have funny. to. It's been over a year. Of course, it you've has had been a over birthday. A year, so of course, I've had a birthday. No, but it's, it's funny because <laughs> um, obviously, uh, yeah, I've had a birthday. You've had a birthday. But my birthday, which is in November, I was actually in Paris. And it's so bizarre to think about because I had a few international trips at the beginning of this year before the COVID stuff went into super hyper overdrive. In fact, I, I, canceled a bunch of international trips I was supposed to. I had to still go to Singapore because I had to fly through there, but I was supposed to actually do an event there. That was canceled. This was in mid-February. Mid I was supposed to be in Zurich. That got canceled literally as I was leaving for the airport. I was supposed to be in Tel Aviv. I was supposed to be um, some other places. So it's weird. I was in um, Australia in February, but and I was in Johannesburg in January, but like the the last trip I guess that felt like completely normal in terms of you know nothing being in the least bit even in the back of your mind like weird was in November when I was in Paris for my birthday I, I was there for work but it happened to to follow my birthday and so uh, it's really it's bizarre to kind of look back on that uh, you know like a little more than six months later and to be like the whole universe is completely different than it was then. Yeah. I have my birthday in the middle of a pandemic, so I can't imagine right now being in Paris for my birthday. 
<laughs> right? So how what how how did uh, well first of all happy birthday, and how did the 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 pandemic birthday go? Happy birthday to you too, but uh, so this was my forty second birthday, and I have planned for years to have a hitchhiker's guide themed party for my forty second birthday, as and, one does, and that did not happen. Um, <sighs> I had a I had a celebration with my girlfriend and she got me a towel and a soda stream but but the towel was very thoughtful. Uh it has it says 42 on it and it has the hitchhiker's thumb. Uh so that was very sweet. It's currently it's currently my keyboard pad so that you can't hear me typing during podcasts. Nice. But it, it the way I'm looking at it is when this is settled down when the when the pandemic is less of a, a, a front of mind thing maybe I'll have a, a belated 42nd birthday since it was the only party I plan to have I don't plan to have another party until I'm 50 oh my god 50 um but I, I can wait till I'm like for my 45th birthday I'll have a 42nd birthday party yeah, no, I think that's fair. And it's interesting. I think that's what a lot of us are kind of having to do is that it feels like in a lot of ways, like 2020 is kind of like a, a mulligan year. Yeah, for, for sure. You know what I mean? And and so I feel like even if it was like 43, 44, 45, whatever, whatever you decide to do, it's like, this is the 42nd birthday. This is the celebration. Uh, and I don't know, in some ways, it's kind of interesting. It puts into perspective, it really does show how subjective things like birth dates are, right? Like, obviously, there is an anniversary of the sun rotating, you know, uh, the, the earth rotating around the sun or whatever, right? So you, you can say that it has been this many, you know, lunar cycles since that happened. But the rest of it is fairly subjective, meaning that, like, what numbers and what values we ascribe to those things can be fungible. And that's kind of what's been interesting about this whole time is that, like, the actual milestones and, and the stuff itself matters less than the, like what, what the actual value is, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, we're finding out a lot of things matter less than we thought. Uh, employees or employers are finding out that having people in the office matters less than they thought. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. So many yeah. things that we thought were vital to American culture are less important than we thought. Some things turned out to be very important, but in general, it, it's it's exposed a lot of, especially in the capitalist economy, it's exposed a lot of uh, things that we had taken for granted that maybe we shouldn't have. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's interesting because, okay, so I live in in the city. And I have, you know, um, always liked living in the city. I live in, in um, Capitol Hill in Seattle, also known as the place where the, uh, I wasn't in the middle of kind of the, the occupational protest zone. I was a few blocks away from where all the hardcore stuff was happening. The advantage there was that uh, I was very lucky I still got mail. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, um, like su support the movement, whatnot, the the white people who decided to co-opt the Black Lives Matter movement, less so. But anyway, the, putting that aside, you know, I've always lived um, in cities, uh, you know, ever since college. I've, I've always lived in the city and I haven't had any desire to live in the suburbs and I haven't had any desire to be anywhere other than like in the middle of everything. 
And with us not being in offices, so commute times and things become more negligible. And with the advantages of cities, things like, you know, bars and restaurants and nightlife and and access to, you know, places that you could go no longer being a thing, all the advantages in many parts of like living and paying, frankly, exorbitant rents to live in the city kind of disappear. And so I, I haven't seriously considered this, but for the first time in my life, I have actually kind of looked at, okay, what would it look like if I didn't live like in the middle of the hustle and bustle of everything, that would which, be, is, which is weird. It would be. You could have a podcast, Christina, in the country. I, I mean, as long as I have good internet, that would honestly be like a requirement. That is, that is I always say, like with my kind of um, introversion, and like, even when I lived in cities, I, I enjoyed having places to go out to eat, but I didn't, it didn't matter to me. Um, sure. I, like, I could live anywhere. You could put me in a cabin, isolated out in the boonies. As long as I had good internet, my life would be just as rich as, as it is in any city. But I say that as someone who's now lived in a town of 30,000 for like the last decade. And I've just gotten used to it. I like this town. I don't miss cities. Yeah. I mean, but it is interesting. You know, you talk about like how we realize things matter less. I am hoping that cities come back because <laughs> I think that they're important, but you know, but like for me, like, okay, like you live in a town of, of, of 30,000 people. I think uh, Seattle proper, like not counting the entire Puget Sound area, which obviously gets way bigger, is like 750,000 people. And it's just, again, it just kind of changes things. It's like, what what does your calculus look like when you don't have these things that you've put this big emphasis on and that you've paid a premium for and that you've kind of like surround, like you, you basically centered your life around, yeah. uh, you know, things like, okay, how, how long does it take me to get to the office? How long, you know, like what is the right kind of location to how close am I to everything else? And so things, different things matter, right? So it's less about like how close am I to different bars and restaurants and more is it, am I within, am I in a location that has good delivery options? You know, is, is there a, a grocery store that is uh, close by? Like does, you know, do various food services or are there options that can deliver if, if those are things that are important? Like how long does it take to get to a store, assuming that you have a store or how frequently can Amazon or, or who else uh, deliver, you know, what we buy? And uh, that changes stuff a lot. And uh, yeah, well, it's, it's interesting. Just for reference, in my little town, and I live on the outskirts of a little town, I can get my Amazon deliveries in one to two days. I am five to 10 minutes away from every kind of store I need for essentials. Um, I have restaurant options. I get my HelloFresh deliveries every Tuesday. Like I, I'm lacking for nothing. That's awesome. And and I think that that's actually remarkably true for most of those things, right? Like, I think that that is the thing with that is that um, at least people like me are kind of learning. Yeah, these unless you were in a place that is really disconnected, which is getting harder and harder to find, it certainly still exists, especially in some parts of rural America. But it's getting much, much harder to find thanks to just kind of the tentacles of how, you know, e-commerce and globalization and, and other stuff works that 
you don't need to be in the the center of a place that you may have 20 years ago, right? Right. Yeah, like the only real reason to live in a city is because that's where a lot of the jobs in certain industries are. Right. And now that changes demonstrably too, right? Like right. that becomes a very much a, a thing that is different, which is really interesting to kind of think about because um for instance, I'm not going to be back in the office. They claim that January 21st is the earliest we will be back in. My gut tells me that that will probably be pushed back at least yeah. once more. Yeah. And so I, I could conceivably look at being out of the office for a year. And then once I do go back in, it's not kind of a guarantee that it's going to be the same thing. And I worked on a team that like every, every, team at Microsoft is different, but my team was actually pretty remote friendly. You know, we had people who were kind of located all over the place, but what was different, I guess now is that people have had to, um, really be remote friendly. So it's, it's different, um, than it was even before, right? Like there were certain teams where it was kind of like understood, okay, we have people who are located all over the country or all over the world. And so we know how to deal with one another from different time zones and locations. And we can work together just as well using, you know, things like Teams or Slack or, or whatever as we could anything else. But there were other teams within the company who was like, you really need that FaceTime. Like you really need to be in the office and see people. Yeah. And uh, that is is now changing. And I'm yeah. not sure if that will be a permanent change, I have a feeling that it'll become a hybrid. My hope is that it becomes a hybrid. My hope is that I don't want the whole uh, notion of an in-person office for people who can benefit from it to go away. I think that that would be a mistake. I think that it's it's a mistake to say we should just get rid of offices altogether because although I think that works well for some individuals and it's certainly good if like you are doing your own business and like you kind of work for yourself, I don't think that, especially for really big companies, my fear is that the same way that we over-indexed on office life with, you know, like Perks of Palooza, where, you know, it's like, oh, you get your laundry and you have, right. you know, three or four meals a day and, and we style. do every Google style, Facebook style, like it's literally designed so you never leave the office, right? Like that's how it was. My fear is that with work from home, it'll it'll over-index on the opposite way, which is basically being like, you never get to leave because your home and your workspace are one and the same sure. and you never stop working. So I do still want there to be two. However, I do hope that what this is proving is that A, the whole idea that, you know, even at Microsoft, we have things like the only way that you can work on this team is if you live in Redmond or if you live in this certain location. And that seems silly. Right. Like I, I can understand for certain job titles and for certain teams that that makes sense. But for a lot of other teams, it really doesn't like can there be benefits if you can see people face to face? Sure. But as we're learning, you know, nobody's seen each other face to face. And and it could be, you know, the better part of a year before, uh, you know, the at least the North American employees are back in the office in any sort of way. And so I hope that that is kind of reinforcing what people like you and I, who've, you know, uh, you've obviously worked remotely, uh, much longer than me, but I've kind of gone back and forth. And, um, certainly, you know, when I, when you and I started working together, we started working together remotely. We know that 
people can be very effective that way. And that there's been this bias where you have to live in a certain place and you have to be willing to make those concessions to take a job and you wind up missing out on really good people. And and some people look at that and they think like, oh, you know, salaries will go down and, and you'll just get talent from elsewhere. You know, maybe that could be true on some levels, but I don't think so. I think more what it is, is that you open your talent options up to candidates that otherwise wouldn't either either A, apply, or B, you wouldn't even consider just because of something that in retrospect is, is fairly arbitrary like location. So companies like Google, uh, when this happened, they had been providing, like you said, uh, perks of Palooza. Yeah. Uh, food, uh, daycare, transportation, like everything. And mm-hmm. then when they sent people home to work, they wouldn't pay that none of those perks carried over. They wouldn't pay right. for people's food. They wouldn't help with the things that they had been getting for free. So it was basically like a pretty, pretty big pay cut for yeah. a lot of employees. And that's, that's not cool. Like Agreed. What, you don't view the pandemic as a chance to save money. View it as a chance to provide a different work environment. Like your hybrid idea, I think is great because there are people who have discovered very quickly that they're not cut out for working at home, that they really want that separation or they just really need the face-to-face contact. Some people do work better in an office. And I've always known that Uh, it's just become extremely apparent now. Uh, I, on the other hand, I I wither in an office environment. Like I do not do well at all. Um, it kills me. So having a hybrid, having companies, because for a while there, it seemed like remote work was going to be the next cool thing. And then companies started uh, turning against it. Uh, even even AOL, where, where you and I met, started trying to move everyone into uh, San Francisco and New York. And yep. it seemed like the world was closing off to the idea of remote work again. And this is this could be a great thing. I, I agree. I agree. Like I said, I do worry about the over-indexing. And to your point, yeah, sure. a lot of the companies uh, like like Google and Facebook and others that were like so heavy on perks. I mean, on the one hand, I, I did roll my eyes and probably uh, subtweet or like, let's be honest, probably just like blatantly like called it out, you know, uh, get, Google employees who were, you know, complaining, oh, I have to spend more on food now because I'm not getting free food at the office. Like, honestly, when the, when the world situation is what it is and when the job situation is what it is, like, <laughs> bring that to HR. Don't, like, complain about that publicly. Like, it's, it's not a big deal. Like, be an adult. But you are right in that some of the benefits and the things, it, it is, in a sense, you know, kind of a step back. And in that way, I was kind of like happy or not happy, but I guess uh, it, like it ended up being an okay thing that Microsoft has never really followed that Perks of Palooza thing, at least in Seattle. They've had, they had free food in uh, San Francisco because I think that's just like the cultural norm. Like you would have to do that to be competitive, but like we had, you know, uh, subsidized food costs, but you know, you still paid for your food, like lat, you know, kitchens closed, you know, at 2 PM. Um, the whole thing was kind of designed more around the idea would be like, you could get home because people have families yeah. and, and it was definitely much more of a focus on like a work-life balance, which I appreciate. And so I didn't have like, you know, all those amazing, you know, things like you, like you see in, in movies or whatever, um, to, to like feel a loss on, but it is 
definitely kind of a um, a, a loss um, in a sense. And you are right in that even with like, you know, where I work, like there are benefits that you get from being in the office. Like you don't get working from home. It's like they're, they are not buying me a chair. They're telling me you can use your stay fit credit towards <laughs> a chair, right. but we're not going to buy you a chair. If you need to take you know, equipment from the office home temporarily. Okay. But it's not like I can, you know, call the facilities team and have, you know, a very expensive, like Ergotron, you know, like arms installed or, or whatever, sure. or, or like, I, I'm not going to be able to go in there and like take the standing desk out of my office. Right. So, you know, there are downsides, but yeah, to, to what you said, like, I, I do think that all in all, it can be a good thing because for so long, like we moved away from this idea that we could use technology to facilitate remote communications and remote work um, because people wanted to focus so much on the offices. It's interesting. I, the, the people I feel really bad for are people who had just signed really big leases on offices. Sure. Yeah. You know, or I mean, like it's one thing. I mean, maybe you can get out of it or, or whatever. I guess it depends on the size of your company. Uh, also, we work. Like WeWork was already just in a terrible place, but this this basically kind of cemented. Like, can't think of a worse business to be in right now than something like a WeWork. Yeah, nail in the coffin. Completely. So you want to hear about my amazing gig that I just got? I do. It's very temporary, but it 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 blew my mind that someone. Uh, someone I've known for a while uh, who works for a nonprofit reached out and they wanted a Jekyll website with basically all the features that I love building and spend my free time on anyway. And they had money to pay me for it. And it was, it was basically, I just switched my focus from tinkering on my own scripts to tinkering on their scripts. And it was, the easiest freelance gig I've ever gotten. Like I, I, it's happened to me too many times that I take a freelance gig that I know I can do, but I'm not super interested in and then fail at it. Like I fall behind. I, 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 I just fail. And, uh, and that's always my concern when I take a freelance gig is with ADHD and bipolar and all of the things that, make me feel like I'm just a better remote worker than anything else. I always worry that I'm going to fuck it up, but this time I, I rocked it and I think it's going to be there some continuing work. And it's just hard to believe that that very specific skill set that <laughs> I've honed actually came in handy at some point. That's awesome. That's awesome. And actually what's interesting, if you wanted to kind of, if like, if you find that you like doing this sort of thing, the Jamstack, which is like the, the you know, um, acronym du jour, you know, everything used to be about LAMP and now it's all about, uh, you know, Jam, like, a, you know, JavaScript, uh, um, Angular, uh, I don't remember what the M is. Um, uh, but like that whole thing is like basically the idea of, of Jekyll or any of the other kind of static sites. Like that is like now like the skill set, like everybody wants that. So you could probably carve out a really nice, business for yourself if you're interested in doing that kind of thing because everybody is see, like I, I keep talking about this on various things I do for work I feel like like we're returning to like the early 2000s 
you know, um, when it was all about like static sites and it was like the big, you know, like a battle between like static or, or dynamic, you know, like, should you use Perl or should you use PHP? And it's like the whole reason you would use Perl would be because, you know, it would be more stable and it would serve cache things, but PHP was dynamic and you could update it more quickly and whatnot. And it's like now, you know, uh, with, with the fact that server side JavaScript and stuff has become so much, um, better and, and that servers in general are so much more powerful that you can basically get the best of both worlds. Yeah. So somebody like you having the skill set in that, it's kind of crazy. Like, uh, my good friend, Sarah, uh, is, uh, the head of, um, I think it's engineering. I don't remember what exactly her role is, but she's, uh, she's like a VP at Netlify and Netlify is a company that has done like massive stuff kind of in that space. Yeah. So, Yeah. There's there's hope for me yet at the age of 42. I will say like Mac Mac app development is still like the thing that I love as my primary income. Um, yeah. And it's it's it serves as passive income uh and for me that's ideal because I do have I have my weeks where <laughs> where being on is not an option for me and mm-hmm. that's that's horrible when you have uh a steady job that expects you to be on every day. Totally. And I like a lifestyle where if I have a bad week, if I if I have three days in a row of insomnia and I'm just a wreck and can't do anything other than maybe podcast, I like having the liberty. I like knowing that my paycheck is going to stay the same no matter what. That's That's freedom to me. I don't need to make the six figures I used to make. I I just need to be able to comfortably pay the bills and have the freedom to just fuck off once in a while. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think that that that's awesome and like that's honestly like kind of the perfect thing that that you would want. Um and and I'm I'm happy for you for that. What I'm saying is I don't have ambition. I don't think that's true. I think it's a different sort of ambition. Like, I think that like, okay, like I have ambition, I'm pretty ambitious, but we have different sorts of things. Like your goals, like you're, you want to have, like for you, I guess what you ambition to have is like to feel satisfied and to be able to kind of set your own pace and to be able to focus on the things that you love. Although I would like to retire someday and that at this point is not going to be an option. But then again, what I'm doing right now, I could easily do into my 70s. Well, that's the thing, right? Like, and and to be totally candid with you, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I'll be able to to retire. I mean, I, I don't look at it that way. And I'm like, I'm, I'm making more money than I've ever made in my life. And I'm working harder than I've ever worked in my life. But I don't feel like it's a, a given that I'll be able to retire in 30 years, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that's a given for anyone, especially of your generation. Uh, you've got it even worse than us Xers. Right, right. So um, how is, uh, how's yoga been in the <laughs> pandemic? Well, turns out, I much like office work, I don't mind doing yoga at home either. So it helps that I live with a yoga instructor, but she's teaching mostly over Zoom. So I stay behind the laptop. <sighs> And, and we, we're also, we're doing videos. Uh, she, I made her a website and she, she has students that don't love zoom. So we, we video classes and then they just pay 
it's a pay what you what you can situation mm-hmm. but it's 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 not fully replaced her in-person yoga income but it it's definitely helped and i've been able to keep doing yoga three times a week just like i was sometimes four sometimes five times a week depending on how motivated i am but three times a week is a good number we've started doing classes on fridays in the park uh, because it's pretty safe, uh, right? Pandemic-wise, to have if you're outdoors, six feet apart, uh, not facing each other, it, it it feels pretty safe. So we've been doing that, and I video those as well, and we publish them for people who still don't want to make it. Uh, the studio opened up, and she is teaching reluctantly Monday classes in a studio, like with a max the. If everyone's six feet apart, the studio can hold a maximum of eight people. So they're smaller classes, but it's it's happening. Anyway, I've kept doing yoga. It, it It's helped. I'm happy. That's good. I'm really glad to hear that. And it's interesting how uh, you talk about kind of the video stuff. Like we've all throughout this, I think this is the most interesting thing. We've all had to become like video professionals. <laughs> totally. Have you ever Which- used... Um, uh, uh, Da Vinci Resolve. I have, I have. It uh, is so good. It is good. Yeah, Black Magic makes it, and it's it's free. And even like the version that you pay for is like not expensive. It disturbs me that it's free. It's so good that I worry about it being free. But it's free with no ads because they make all their money on hardware. Uh huh. I was gonna say like the I I would be okay with like I wouldn't be uh, disturbed that it's free. Like okay, I would say this. If they had anything approaching the market share of an Adobe Premiere or a Final Cut Pro 10, yes, okay, I would be like concerned with the free price because then you'd be like, oh, they're gonna like, you know, make a decision and just like flip the switch on one day and be like, oh, we're gonna start charging thousands of dollars for right. this. But to your point, I mean, what they charge thousands of dollars for is all of their different interfaces and hardware. And they do charge thousands and thousands of dollars for that stuff. And yeah. people pay it because they it, they make fantastic cameras and they make fantastic, you know, like kind of hardware things. And so it's kind of this weird sort of reverse model where that is what funds um, like DaVinci Resolve in a weird way. Yeah, I I want their keyboard. Um, I can't even remember what it's called now, but it costs thousands of dollars like everything else. But yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah. So I actually I just ordered a new iMac and uh, partially for video stuff. So uh, I'm going to I can't travel now. And so uh, we've started to do a lot of streaming stuff on Twitch and other platforms of of streaming code and, and streaming other presentations. And I'm doing my video stuff sans the studio, you know, like with, I bought a, um, like a, a DSLR, like a, a Sony a 6,400. I could have used a less expensive camera, but I got the one that I <laughs> but got. But you're making more money than you've ever made in your life. So. Okay. Fair. But also <laughs> like that, that doesn't mean that you should like, you don't, I didn't need it. To, what I'm saying is like, I could have had like the comparable results without buying the camera that I bought. Like I didn't need a thousand dollar camera. Um, I, I would have been fine with like a $500 camera, but, uh, and I have that with like a cam link, which is like a, an interface that'll basically take your DSLR signal from HDMI out and let you bring it in like a webcam on your Mac or PCs that you can use an app like OPS, uh, which is the open broadcasting system. And you can use that as basically like a, a switcher to, um, you know, send 
uh, to composite, like, you know, your face on top of the screen that you're sharing and other things. And so, you know, I'm doing like a lot more uh, video stuff now. And so I just got a, a new iMac that'll be here uh, within the next week or two. And it's, it's pretty beefy. And um, yeah, I, it was, it's been interesting because when I was like looking at that, uh, a lot of like the benchmarks and stuff that I'm looking at, like DaVinci Resolve has been one of those things. And I've, I've been, I've really been a final cut person, but we, we use Adobe stuff um, at work. Like that's what the team is kind of standardized on. Not that it matters. Like if I'm editing my own stuff, like it genuinely doesn't matter what I use, but um, I have been looking at just cause DaVinci Resolve is really good. So I've been like, okay, like maybe I should, maybe I should switch to that. Well, um, so I haven't used Final Cut since the early 2000s, since before Pro X was a thing. Right. And um, like, I I missed it. Like I did a lot of video production back then. And I had gotten out of video production. And as I eased back into it, my instinct as as I quickly hit the limitations of something like iMovie. Right. Uh, my instinct was to get Final Cut, but I was kind of weighing my options because I wasn't making yoga videos. It isn't, it doesn't pay real well. Um, right. So and I didn't so, want to Final Cut And Final Cut Pro 10 is like $500 or right. something. Right. So when I, I, I tweeted about, I don't remember, it wasn't like a direct plea for alternatives, but someone mentioned DaVinci Resolve and I thought, I'll give it a shot. Uh, that and a couple others, but DaVinci Resolve stood head and shoulders. And I can't, I can't make a an obvious comparison to Final Cut because I haven't used it in so long, but it does everything I need it to do and has features that I don't even know how to start with. Like color correction is not my bag. I like I don't have the basic skill set to do a good job with that. But uh, but as far as video editing, rapid cuts, dissolves, transitions, full digital audio workstation uh media clips uh proxied media like all everything i could need is in there i love it yeah i mean and in in its hardware like it really is optimized to take advantage of various stuff not just on the pc but on mac as well they do a good job with it and and it's, 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 a, it's a pro app. Like it's definitely, it's, it's a pro app, especially for free. And I think they have like a studio version where like, if you want, if you needed to do like more advanced stuff that is $300, most people don't need it. And I actually just checked final cut pro 10 is also $300. So that's interesting. It's funny. Both of those, like the, you know, the perpetual license is $300. Whereas, you know, Adobe, who is at this point, the head and shoulders leader, uh, uh, the Final Cut Pro 10 debacle kind of uh, killed that for Apple. Apple had been the leader in that space and they are not anymore and haven't been for the last close to a decade, you know, but Adobe wants to charge you $50 a month, $55 a month for, for Creative Cloud. So yeah, um, uh, having a really good free tool that is hardware optimized, that has all those options, like you were saying, that is has a good interface that's updated regularly, like is, is pretty great. So what are you watching on TV these days? Well, do you have time for TV? I do, but it's become kind of a weird thing. Like, okay, so I don't, I, I don't know about you. This has been my situation with TV. Obviously, I'll watch some of the new stuff that comes out on Netflix, and you know, I'll, I'll binge some of those series or or whatever. 
And um, historically, like when new stuff comes out on HBO or whatever, like I get really excited about that. But because again, of, of the uh, impact of, of COVID, like who knows when we'll see some of those shows again, right? right. Like I really liked the morning show actually on Apple yeah, TV. I thought that was, that was a really, thought it was a great show. They've already said they're going to write COVID into it, which is interesting because they'd already, I think, shot or started to shoot one episode. They already had scripts for a lot of season two, and now they've had to kind of readdress it to face to to um, address COVID, which is similar to the first season when they had to basically scrap almost everything and add all the Me Too stuff because yeah. of the Matt Lauer stuff, and and so it's sort of interesting how that show is sort of you know dealing with those things, but. Um, you know, like Succession, I don't know when we're going to see that again. That's my one of my favorite shows. So it's this weird thing where right now, I think both because of my anxiety around everything that's happening in the world and just uh, also like paradox of choice, I've been just watching a bunch of stuff that I've already seen before, if that makes any sense. Oh, totally. Me too. We decided we got... Uh... We we got through all of the fun new Netflix shows pretty quickly. Um, yeah, and you Tiger Kinged your way out. Like that was a great. I like, watched 15 minutes of Tiger King and did not did not want to watch anymore. Um, that was. I awful. mean, they're all terrible people, all of them. But it was it was some good like, you know, Jerry Springer type of content. To be totally honest. Yeah, I never got into that either. But fair. But we decided we were going to go back and watch some old shows, and we started uh, watching uh, How I Met Your Mother because we, uh-huh. we just needed like half hour shows. Like you know, it's almost bedtime; you don't have time for a full hour show, but you want to watch some TV. So we were watching uh, How I Met Your Mother. That show is problematic. That show <laughs> has so much rape culture like embedded into its core. Oh, totally. We gave up on it. We we started watching Life in Pieces instead. That's a great show. A, I haven't seen good, that. I'll oh, have... it's a good half hour. If you just want something well-written, funny, uh, kind of throwaway TV, it, it's a good one. It's okay, on I'll Amazon. check that out. It's on Amazon Prime. Okay. All which, right, fantastic. Which yeah, I no, assume I'm... you have. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately i have everything no i have uh i have uh the hbo max which is a terrible name but actually a very good service the disney plus which they are doing very good things with i think actually i think that that's been a huge win netflix the amazons and then um we haven't talked about this because well we might have but it's been so long um I sort of went into this thing where i kept finding deals on movies from itunes and so I've like bought way, 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 way too many movies yeah. on iTunes. They had they had Donnie Darko for two ninety nine with all the iTunes extras, and I jumped on right. that. Yes, and and like there was this thing. This was now I guess like two years ago, but they had this thing. They'd have like ten movies. And it was like twenty bucks, and they were like good movies, like you know, like like you know, a lot of the big hits from the eighties and nineties and other stuff. And it's like, yeah, this is actually cheaper now than ripping these (laughs) that I already have on Blu-ray or DVD. Like this is actually like, this is from an opportunity cost standpoint, this takes less time Uh to just buy it again than do this. And what's interesting is that, well, there are two interesting developments. So one 
um, uh, Movies Anywhere, which is a service that Disney owns, and it, they works with all the major studios, with the exception of Paramount and Lionsgate and uh, whatever entity it is that owns Miramax. So Paramount's a big one. You don't get any of the Paramount movies. Lionsgate is smaller, but there are still some significant like films that you will lose from that. But everything else, you know, anything from Warner Brothers, Universal, uh, Sony, um, is all part of this. Disney is all part of this service, meaning that you can link your Amazon account, your Google Play account, uh, your Comcast account if you have them, your uh, uh, Microsoft uh, Movies account from like Xbox or whatever, and I think uh, Fandango and Vudu, uh, I think that those are all the major ones. And you basically, any purchase that you make on any of those services will show up in the library of the other service. So if I buy a movie in iTunes, I can have that same movie available on those other services, which is pretty great. Uh, but um, that still meant that there was like a hole and I had a few hundred movies that you know I bought on iTunes that were not available on these other um, services. And the problem there is that, you know, we, you and I, we've talked for many years about like our dissatisfaction. Like we love the Apple TV, but like, I don't know if you're still, uh, if you're unsatisfied with it right now, I personally am like, I'm still sure, using it, yeah. but like it, it's, it's old, it's expensive. It is not kept up remotely. And that's a problem because it's like, okay, I have all these movies. I have like 631 movies within iTunes and I can access a portion of them on other services like on my TV or on a Roku or on a Fire TV stick or whatever, but the rest of them I'm kind of stuck. Well, when Apple launched the TV Plus service last uh, fall, they also launched a Apple TV app for Roku and Fire TV. Yeah. And what that did is in addition to letting you watch their original programming, you can watch all of your other movies too. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. So I had, when I used to travel, which, you know, olden times, um, I would travel with a Fire TV stick, like a, yeah. a, four, a Fire TV stick 4K, because I, I got a great deal on one, $30 for, for the 4K version. I got it last year. Still a tremendous value. It's normally, I think, 50 bucks, but they have them on sale fairly often. And, um, you know, 4K, uh, fast processor, it's like a Chromecast. It's just, you know, a, a stick you just plug yep. in. Um, I have one. You need Right, right. Well, um, I love it for travel because unlike an Apple TV, it works over a captive um, internet uh, uh, network, meaning that if you're like, if you have like hotel Wi-Fi on Apple TV, you can't log into that. If there's like a pop-up where you have to enter in a yeah, username yeah. and a password, yep. uh, you have to use like a weird VPN. Like the, the, the options to do that on Apple TV is you basically have to create a subnet if you want to do that. <laughs> so it's <laughs> a pain, right? And, yeah. and like that's not what you want to do. Whereas with Amazon and also Roku, you can actually like, it has like a, a pop-up screen that will let you get on those um, captive networks. So I would have like this $30 really small dongle to travel with, have access to all the different services, be able to access a VPN from an app, which would then work on the device. So I could access like American services in another country. Yeah. And also have access to literally my entire library of, of Apple TV content. Nice. That is, uh, yeah, I, I don't travel a lot, but when I do, every time I think, oh, I should have brought my Apple TV and then remember the trouble I've had getting onto hotel Wi-Fi with an Apple TV. Yep. Yeah. 
I do. I own a stick and I never think to bring that either. Yeah, you should. I mean, it, presumably we ever go to hotels again. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, no, because at this point, every hotel I've been in the last two years has had an accessible HDMI port um, in, in almost all cases, unless it's been like a really boutique hotel and it can be a really good way of being able to access all your stuff from home. Plus, you know, they have Plex apps and other stuff like that for, for the Fire TV. So Dude. it's inter- It's interesting that you were revisiting How I Met Your Mother and talking about being problematic because <laughs> I hadn't thought of that, but you're right. And that show isn't that old. That show's like it's 15 not, years old. It's not that old. Like, I'm I'm still mad about the, the series finale and what they did to the ending. Like, I thought that was just, it was one of the worst endings ever. And I'm still mad about that, like, <laughs> however many years later. But you're completely correct when you talk about, like, the, the, the really problematic aspects of that. And it, the really funny thing is that he was like, kids, let me tell you about, you know, when I met your mom. And he's, like, talking to them in, like, like in the 2020s, right. which is really funny <laughs> now, too. Right. You know, we're like, oh, my God, we're now, like, living in the era of when this show was supposed was, to take place yeah. yeah yeah um even knowing how bad the ending was i thought it would be fun to get there again i'm also tempted to do lost again even though i know how much i hated the ending oh yeah like, that show yeah. was so fun to get it was there so fun it really I would was love it if they would put out an alternate ending they could yeah. sell blu-rays of the entire show with a yeah. new ending and everyone oh, would could. buy that no, you're right. I mean, it's kind of like they're bringing back like the Snyder cut of um, uh, Justice League. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. So because the fans yeah. were all mad about the Joss Whedon thing. They're like, bring us the Snyder cut, bring us the Snyder cut. And they're like, HBO Max people were like, oh, money. Uh, so they're doing it. So I'm with you. I'm like uh, Damon Lindoff and, and J.J. Abrams, like, get on that. Get on that shit. Like, I, I would buy the hell out of that. Also, you know, Disney owns everything now. That would be fantastic exclusive content for Hulu or or like if, if they didn't want to put it on, on Disney Plus, like that would be fantastic Hulu content, yeah. like exclusive, like only for subscribers, you know, because right. that's what they're all pushing us towards. Yeah. So uh, I have been really enjoying Plex because I got a few friends and we watch each other's movies and yep. it has, I have, I have watched so many good movies, but... They added this new feature called Watch Together, I think. Yeah. Oh, and okay. So we, we should share our Plex libraries with one yeah, another. Yeah. I mine mine is is uh, abysmally small. I, fine. I I rely on mostly my friends' libraries. Uh huh. But we did the Watch Together thing. Me and Dave Chartier and uh, Dan Peterson from One Password, and their respective partners. We all got together. We did a a, a Jitsi meet call and then had a, a text conversation going in and an uh, iMessage messages, uh, which is cool because you can thread now if you have iOS oh, cool. 14. Um, yeah, so yeah, that's right. That's right. We had all that going and we watched Mr. Right together, which like three quarters of the people involved had never seen before. And that movie deserves way better than the 44% it has on Rotten Tomatoes. Anyway, it was a it was a real blast. It was it was uh movie night in the age of cholera. It was it was a lot of fun. 
That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay, so next time you do one of those, please invite me because I would love to participate totally, in that. Totally, Grant would too. And and yeah, and I'll I'll we'll, I'll share my uh, my library with you. Ours is pretty good. My friend Jeremiah's is like way better. But we have a we'll have to talk about this in another episode sometime. So like we have a a kind of a sonar and a radar set up on two of our servers, and uh, which is pretty great. And so you know we can just kind of you know automatically grab. Um, stuff off of, uh, you know, TV shows or movies or, or whatever uh, for, for easy access. Um, Grant has also become obsessed with like, I don't know, he got like every episode of Judge Judy. <laughs> like these like thousands of episodes. I'm like, okay. That sounds like, like some, that sounds like something a fan of Tiger King would do. I mean, totally. And, <laughs> and I mean, I think it's just, it's just good, like monotonous, like, you know, you don't have to think about it, like go to sleep music or whatever. Yeah. Like watching Frasier to go to sleep. Yeah. Yes. 1000%. And, uh, it's so, you know, but, uh, we also, we have, we've had it for years and years and years. We have one of these silicon dust over the air, um, kind of receivers that you can connect and basically record over the air signals. So, yeah. you know, like, and, and then there are like different algorithms and stuff that you can get through where it'll even like basically remove all the ads yeah. automatically. So, and then, I had that back in 1999. I built my own DVR and it had uh ad removal capabilities, so that's not new. You're not, no, special. I mean, uh, no, I mean, <laughs> we, we've been doing this. Well, a, you know, I've had a TiVo for as long as I can remember, and B, we've had this silicon dust thing since I think I was still writing for Download Squad and the unofficial <laughs> weblog, so and honestly, it still existed. Exactly. And, and, and those websites were still places you could visit. Hey, at least the TOEW archives exist. Yeah. Like you have to go to Engadget. Download, Download Squad's on there too, I think. All no. Of, all of those, really? Download Squad, they they killed it. Same with, with the, I think, Joystick they rolled in and, and Tua they rolled into Engadget. But no, when they took Download Squad down, they got rid of the archives. Like it is Weird. dead, dead. Yeah. Weird. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. So you're. Your what's it called? Your over the air recorder? Yeah, it's like a silicon dust thing silicon that we dust. which they still make them like a uh, but it, it's one of those things where they're supposed to be um like a, a like a new version that works with cable card and one HD home run that's what it's called. And uh I mean, I, I got to give it credit like I, I got this thing genuinely like 12 or 13 years ago and still works so there are very few products i can say that in my tech arsenal that i can like say that about to be totally honest if for, for people who are interested in that sort of thing incidentally who like are interested in kind of doing like over the air um uh like the dvr stuff and, and want to have like a really good interface and also want to have an ios app there is an app called channels it's at getchannels.com and i'm gonna put this link in our uh, quip app um and uh, people should check that out because it's, uh, I know the developer, he's really great. He used to work at GitHub. It's a really good interface and it's a really good way of basically, if you want to bring all of your live TV to all of your devices and have it kind of sit along your other stuff. So that's an option for people. Yeah. So speaking of Silicon. Yes. I, I got a developer transition kit mini. Ooh. And, and I, I obviously can't talk a lot about obviously it. Obviously can't talk a lot about it. But the thing that's killing me is that most 90% of homebrew formulas won't compile. Uh-huh. So I building my development environment has been a real tribulation. 
Okay. So I'm so glad we're talking about this because I've had questions about this. So everybody's been asking me, Christina, why did you just spend almost $4,000 on an Intel iMac when Apple Silicon <laughs> is around the corner? And what you just described is my exact answer. Look, I am I'm of the opinion that uh, these will be things that will probably be fixed within 18 months. Oh, for sure. Uh, and if not sooner, but for the stuff that I do, and so primarily the stuff that I do at work right now, especially now that I'm like working from home, is streaming things on OBS, which is very like memory intensive and graphics intensive. And to be totally candid, often works better on Windows because OBS is open source. And I give um, money every month to the Patreon of one of the lead developers. But like, you know, even though some big companies give them some money to fund it, like it is, it is, you know, like a basically a professional quality switching app that is being done uh, on a shoestring budget. Yeah. Uh, and so it's amazing that it even works on Mac the, w the way that it does, but it works better on Windows. Uh, I'm also doing a lot of containers and uh, virtual machines and um, you know building stuff in, in things like Homebrew. And so my fear has been, because I, I, ha I had this conversation with people, I was like, okay, all of these formulas and all these tools that I use, because I'm primarily interacting with like Linux servers in the cloud are not compiled for ARM 64. Now that doesn't mean they won't be and doesn't mean that you can't compile them, but there aren't pre-built binaries for that yet. Right. And and the container situation is actually much more of a concern for mine because of the way that, that virtualization is going to work. And I know it can work, but it's like, there's gonna have to be a certain amount of, okay, what, Will Linux distros have all their ducks in a row to have, you know, all the packages compiled um, so that you can run those containers effectively? And will there be any weird difference? Because already, if you have like a Raspberry Pi, um, uh, you know, like a Raspberry Pi 4, people know that there are some issues even with packages on that. And yeah. and there are, are many, like there are many orders of magnitude more like Raspberry Pi devices than there are Macs, period. Yeah. So I that that is why when people are like, why did you do that? I'm like, because I deal with containers and VMs and OBS, and I think it's probably going to be 18 months before we have parity there on the Mac side. Do you think I'm like no, dead you, off on that? No, you made the right choice. It would be for someone who relies on things other than Apple's own first-party software, it, it would be a little asinine to jump on the very first line of uh, ARM Macs that are available. The, getting an Intel processor to get you through until the arms have been out for at least a year makes perfect sense to me. Okay. All right. Well, that makes me feel better. But other, but other than like the homebrew stuff, um, what is, what is your, I mean, from well, what you can say anyway, was your experience better? Talk to me about it. Uh, I will say that uh, uh, Rosetta and uh, Universal Binary 2 are in excellent shape. Like awesome in general, everything's pretty flawless. Uh, you don't notice major speed differences. You don't notice. Uh, I remember like running uh, stuff that was compiled for Motorola chips on Intel with the original Rosetta. I remember that being yeah. a lot more of a speed difference than I'm seeing on the Intel versus ARM binaries. So in general, I'm not too worried about the transition. And, and like you said, within within 18 months, 
everything is probably going to be fixed because they're providing such great tools to developers to start now preparing any developer worth their salt is going to have uh, uh they'll be ready for the transition yeah and i mean the the one nice side effect kind of weirdly is for like the raspberry pi people uh not that you will be able to turn a raspberry pi into a hackintosh because that will not happen right. but more that I think that for, you know, kind of the state of getting those packages updated and those binaries updated, people will do it for Mac when they wouldn't do it for Raspberry Pi, even though there's an order of magnitude more of those. Sure. Which is interesting. So um, I, I'm assuming that you've been using it for NB alts or NB ultra rather. Yeah. Um, and uh, what's the what's the what's the process? Uh, what can you tell um, listeners about the process of NB ultra or, or the progress, I guess, or status? Um, so. We were shooting for a mid-August release, and that's not off the table yet. It's basically ready to go. We're, we are wringing our hands over how we're going to price it and whether or not we're going to go subscription. I was going to ask about that. We're, that we're both, that's a good we're both morally opposed to the idea of a subscription, but for what we want to do and for our ability to provide paid updates and or paid upgrades and the ability to provide free trials and still be available on the app store subscription is kind of the it's the path that apple offers for that kind of business model and so we are we, we're debating with each other and ourselves over whether we want to make this choice if we do go subscription it's going to be a very affordable subscription that will come out to the same as if you were to buy it outright and then upgrade it every year, uh, we'll make sure that you're not paying any more than that. Uh, but doing it as a subscription has the obvious benefits of recurring income for us. Uh, it, it would come out about the same, really, the way we're talking about pricing it. But either way, it's ready to go. The biggest hangup is pricing. And that and uh, Fletcher is an ER doctor in in the, in a pandemic. So we're waiting to make sure that he has a week available so that we can launch and be ready for rapid bug fixes and whatnot uh, in that first week. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, have you talked to uh, to Greg from um, uh, Drafts from Agile Sardis at all about That's his funny. experience? I'll be interviewing him in one and a half hours. <laughs> okay, genuinely did not know that. Like, like our listeners should know. Like, Brett and I don't. If, if this is your first time listening to the show, first time listening to it in a while, we don't plan these things. Like, we have kind of a cursory <laughs> doc. But I genuinely did not know this. So, me bringing that up was gen generally, I was like, oh, you know, Greg went through a really similar thing with um, uh, drafts around subscription, and I thought that it would just be like a a, a good like person for you to talk to you know, yeah. in terms of, of that stuff, just to see his experiences, because I do agree with you. Like it, you could, like, I, I understand the moral like opposition, but I also want you to get paid. And I think if you can do it in the right way where it doesn't feel exploitative and it can offer you the recurring revenue that you need and you deserve, but not be, you know, priced in such a way that's like gross, then, I mean, I think you should do it, um, especially like I really do like the the sketch model of if you don't renew, you just don't the get last updated. version works. Exactly. Yeah. 
Like yeah. I like that model. A lot. I don't I think know that's if that's actually really fair. feasible with the app store, but as a, as a general model, I do like that. Yeah. For the app store, I'm not sure if you could do that or not, but presumably like, are, are you only going to be selling through the app store? Or are you going to be selling? Like, we'll be professional? doing, we'll doing both. Uh, okay. So and set up. And set up. Yeah. Well, in which we've, we've talked about many times before they are, I don't believe they're, they're sponsoring uh, us right now. Although no sponsor us if they, if, if, they, if uh, they want to please um, give us money, but genuinely like, like unprompted from anything. Um, I'm a, I'm a huge setup fan and I've actually talked to people about it. It's been funny. I remember, cause I've talked to you about this on this podcast before I've like asked you even like, has this been exploitative? Has this been okay? Cause I know as a user, I love it, yeah. but I've always been like wondering like, is this okay from your perspective? Yep. And you still. were like, no, actually it's, it's been, it's been good still. Yep. Still. So actually knowing that when I've seen like some of my favorite apps join setup, what I've done, even though I've already owned them as I've uninstalled oh, for sure. my other version and like, like default full directs is a great example yep. of that. Like that's an app that I use and better a million touch times tool. a day. Better touch tool, yeah. Um, but but default folder X is one like that I bought and and pay for the upgrades for like always. Yeah. And when they joined setup, I was like, okay, I'm even though it's sort of a pain, I'm gonna uninstall it, reinstall this new version, just so um, you know that dev can can get um, the much deserved money. I probably mentioned it last time this came up, but I do have a script on my blog that will go through and tell you what apps you have installed that there are also set app versions of so that you can, you can use the set app version instead of the one you paid for, because it's the same app with all the features unlocked and the developer gets part of your subscription that way that you're paying anyway. Yeah, you probably did mention that and I probably forgot about it, but it's one of those things where I've told you this before, even when we were taking our hiatus, the number of times that I have Googled and tried to find something that I've wound up on your blog <laughs> is so funny, especially if anything around keyboards and automation and stuff. And even my colleagues, like I've even seen some of them share stuff that you've done in, in, in our Slack. And I'll just, I just start laughing and they're like, what's so funny? I'm like, no, he's my friend. And they're like, oh yeah, yeah. You know, everybody. I'm like, no, no, you don't understand. Like <laughs> he's my friend. Like we've been podcasting together for forever. And like, we've known each other for like over a decade. Like he's my pal. Like this is, this is great. Um, your, your blog is, is a real, uh, joy. And, um, actually it's funny because I'm, I'm going through the process of right now of archiving my old website, which is like decrepit and terrible, but I'm turning it static and I'm going to just host it like as a yeah. static archive, uh, at like archive dot or whatever. And like rebuilding, a new thing, probably using Hugo, but I might use Jekyll. Um, we'll see. Um, and I've, as always, been like using some of the different things that you've built for, you know, your site, like with the light and dark mode and some of that stuff. It's like inspiration. <laughs> nice. That's, that's, I'm honored. Um, so we're at an hour. Do you have an extra 15 minutes? I sure do. Because we have two important topics we haven't covered yet. Yes, we do. Uh, we have the mental health corner and we have uh -huh. Taylor Swift. Both both of crucial importance. So let's let's do it. I mean, what is this show without mental health and Taylor Swift? Honestly, it is the show. <laughs> I should probably I should take what we're about to record and edit it in at the beginning so everyone knows it's still overtired. But I'm probably <laughs> not gonna do that. So how's your mental health been? How has the pandemic <sighs> affected your mental health? Not great, to be totally honest. 
Yeah. Like I, I would love to just like lie and be like, oh, everything's fine. No, I've been more depressed and anxious and just down than yeah. I've been in a really long time. Yeah. I think that's true for everybody. Totally. And and then I feel and again like. I don't want to go into like a poor what was me thing. And then I don't want to get into Brett's like mental health corner. Cause I love to hear about your stuff, <laughs> but I'm so fortunate that I'm employed, but that brings with it guilt that is, that impacts like it, it, it doesn't improve the mental health thing. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. And look, obviously um, my privilege is being able to even feel guilty, you know, but like, but like, and, and Grant was um, laid off for a while. He's he's work he's back working again. But um, when it hit, like he lost the contract that he was working on. That was one of the first things cut when they didn't really know what uh, the situation was was going to be kind of going forward. And so a lot of places, you know, just just cut people. And so I, I'm really lucky that I'm working and that I'm I'm in a good position. Um, but then you do feel like that survivor guilt. And that I think is just added to the anxiety and the uncertainty. And frankly, yeah, the depression. Also, even though I don't like the outdoors, the fact that I've been inside so mm -hmm. much and I've been away from people is just, uh, yeah, it's not great. I mean, it, it's, they, it goes in waves. There are some weeks where it's fine. And then there's some weeks when it's just like, this is terrible. The so th the thing that I noticed was like, obviously my work situation didn't change, but right. the thing that I noticed was as soon as they told me I couldn't go out, you wanted to, then it, then it was suddenly a burden to stay home where I'd been staying home. Anyway, my social interaction was basically going to yoga every, every couple of days and seeing like the same people in my yoga class. But, uh, I, yeah, I missed them, but I also, the idea that I couldn't see the rest of the world, uh, and I, I didn't, I stopped going to see my folks, uh, for breakfast every Saturday. Um, I stopped hanging out with anybody ever and that normally wouldn't have bothered me, but the fact that I couldn't definitely, it dragged on my psyche. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and I think, you know, just all the other stuff happening in the world, like in addition to having to not be able to go outside feeling, you know, kept up, like, you know, your parents aren't far from you. So you've been able to see them, I assume. Yeah. Um, okay. I, as a, even though it's not, Minnesota's RT is still above one and it's not time to open up yet. Everyone clearly got so sick of being locked down that mm -hmm. people are acting like it's over. So my, my brother and my sister have both come to visit uh, from Georgia and Ohio respectively. And I've had to be like, either, either I say, no, it's not time yet. And I don't go say hi or I say, yeah, okay, this is this is life now. We have to take these, we have to make these choices. And obviously, I I quiz them about <laughs> how much have you left the house in the last two weeks? What have you been exposed to, et cetera, et cetera. But I did make the decision to to go say hi, to hang out, even six feet apart, just to just to see family. But. Yeah. I mean, that, that's honestly been the thing that I've been struggling with the most is so my parents are both in their seventies. My dad has had, um, some, some issues with his eye where he had like some sort of like a burst blood vessel or like, um, like some sort of, uh, it's, it's I guess the equivalent of like a stroke in his eye or whatever. And so he's lost a significant amount of vision in one of his eyes, which is terrible. 
the rest of his health is fine, but that's been really scary, you know, and my mom in true mom fashion, like true my mom fashion was taking all of this stuff more seriously than I was like in the middle of January, she sent me masks. Okay. Middle of January because I was about to go to Johannesburg. Sure. And this was when the, there were, I don't even know if there were any US cases yet. Uh, and so um, they have been socially distancing. They have not been going anywhere. Like they've been, you know, following all the, the right procedures and they live in Georgia. And Georgia is a state that has not been following things. And like the governor has done a terrible job and I could go on and on and about that And yet Georgia's RT is below one now. Go figure that out. To me, now I just don't even trust the data, right? right? Because they don't even have a report of the CDC. So if I'm being totally honest, um, I, uh, I, w- I, I just don't, I don't know. But anyway, but as I'm at this point where I'm like, I desperately want to see my parents, but I, I can't drive to see them. Um, and even if I knew how to drive and like how to the ability to do that, like it would be like five or six days. Like I'm not doing that. Uh, and, and yet I don't want to get on an airplane, you know, like the last thing I want to do is get on an airplane and, and expose them yeah. potentially to anything. And yeah, so that seems like a bad idea. Right. And so that's been one of the hardest things is that, uh, you know, they're high risk, even though they're both healthy, my mom, especially like, I don't like, I could never live with myself if, if something happened. And so I, I really want to see my parents and that's been the thing that, and it's so weird. It's like, I, I've usually only seen them once a year, right? Like it's not even like things have changed, but just like you said, when you know you can't go outside, just the fact that I don't have the ability to yeah. just go out and and see them has really fucked me up, to be totally honest. Yeah, I believe it. So I watched this channel on YouTube called How to ADHD, and the girl who runs it is a, a delight, uh, and she does really well-researched uh, uh, bits, pieces on various aspects of living with ADHD and coping with ADHD. Um, I became a Patreon supporter even, and I don't do that all that often. Um, But she posted uh, this week uh, something she had recorded in May about moving to Washington. Uh, The troubles she, she went through with getting her insurance switched over to Washington's uh, like uh, ACA insurance and then having an impossible time getting her meds. So I'm curious, did you have any trouble when you moved to Washington getting your ADHD meds? Yeah. So how much, a little bit, yes and no. Okay. So on the one hand, the doctor on campus is remarkably easy to get a script from. Like I was actually able to just tell them what I'd been on before and I'd been off mine for a while and they um, wrote me a script. That but when I started, so rare. Wow. I know, I know. And I have a feeling it's the whole like, it's the it's the doctor on campus. Yeah. Um, and it's a good health center. But I also I'm not gonna like, okay, how do I say this? I don't want to say that it's just like, you know, a, a, a doctor, you know, like a, a prescription like farm, like, I don't want to claim that at all. Yeah. But I also feel like they probably proportionally, that's a place that deals with a with far more people who are ADHD well, than like. And, and the, the biggest reason that it's gotten so hard to get those meds is because the organizations uh, like the hospitals and the, the boards that they report to have cracked down. 
on, right. on, on doctors here and there that have overprescribed. And sure. so everyone suffers because of everyone it. In suffers. a smaller system, it's easier to, to provide the medication that you know someone actually needs. Exactly. So I think it's probably that. Also, it's, it was, that was three years ago, so it could have changed. But what the issue that I do have, so my doctor mails me my script every month yeah. for my um, dexedrine, and then I have to bring it in. And what they're supposed to do is they are supposed to call him and verify that it's legit, even though I, I do it every single month. Sure. And I obviously can't get more than one filled, even right. though, you know, uh, whatever. What I have had some of the pharmacists who have been very nice do for me on a couple of occasions is fill it for me without making that call, yeah. uh, which, you know, I'm, I'm sure is not what they're supposed to do, eh. but there's, um, there's wiggle room in it. Yeah. And so, so I haven't had that issue, but, um, I, I do acknowledge that if I didn't like work at a big tech company where we have like a pretty nice doctor's facility, like on campus where yeah. they probably see a lot of people with mental health, like where they have mental health counselors and they have a pharmacy, like there's a pharmacy, like a Walgreens right. pharmacy on like in that building too. Yeah. Um, they did have to have it to go through, like, I think to find my dexedrine for me, that was like a, a challenge that they had to like source it. Uh, but otherwise it's, yeah, I haven't had any issues with that. Yeah. That's, that's good to hear. I like when she was telling her story, it, it brought back so many bad memories for me of the troubles that I've been through. Like, yes. I, I'm scared to move because right. <laughs> I have to find, I have to get new insurance. I have to find a new provider. I probably have to go through ADHD assessment again. Right. And then I have to go through uh, pre-auth and get the prescription started. It, it would very likely end up meaning at minimum a couple months without meds. And that has been disastrous for me in the past. No, I mean, well, you're not wrong. I mean, honestly, this is one of the reasons why, you know, I ghosted my shrink, which I think I talked about on this podcast, yeah. which was terrible and awful thing to do. And I, I stopped ghosting him. But one of the reasons why I kept him and, and he doesn't accept insurance. So that is one benefit. Like it's terrible that I pay what I pay for his hourly rate. But at the same time, it's also easier because I don't have to worry like who my insurance is, yeah. you know, um, and, and it's worth it for me. And, and that's been the case as long as I've ever seen him. But it's been one of those things where um, I think the reason I've, I've kept him even, and I, I have phone calls with him, um, versus seeing somebody in person, which would be more convenient and which would be better For sure. is that I don't want to go through that process. Yeah. Like that scares the hell out of me having to go through like a reevaluation process. Mm -hmm. and, and like I said, I was really lucky that when I went in for like my physical, they like wrote me a script. Now, I think that the way that it was done is that if they were going to continue writing me, scripts for dexedrine, I probably would have had to either show my past, they would have had to like talk to my other, my past doctor, yeah. or they would have had to send me through an evaluation again. But for a limited period, they were at least able to, yeah. to get me my scripts to get started, which was amazing. Yeah. And is what you should do, right? Like I, right. I can understand that if you're going <laughs> to switch to a new doctor, they want you to go through the process. But you're but talking about you're someone's mental health. You don't fuck with that. No, you don't fuck with that. And that's the thing that people don't get is that it's like, this shit is bad. Like if you go off your meds, like, and I know this because I did that and it was stupid. It was like beyond stupid. It's the worst thing I've ever, ever, ever done. And, um, I just, uh, 
I will never do that again. And it was idiotic. And the only thing I can say is that I like, that was a sign of depression and a sign of just like me being like self-destructive. But the only thing I can say to anybody who's listening, who's going through any mental health things, don't ghost your doctor. Now, if you have a bad doctor, find a, find a better one and go through that process, but don't ghost your doctor. And also if you're on like an antidepressant, don't just go off of it. The withdrawal is, is legit. Like the withdrawal, my doctor told me he was like, it's, it's not that dissimilar from heroin. And I was working while I was in withdrawal, yeah, which I still can't believe. Like, how did I even live? You know what I mean? So I can tell you it's, it is dissimilar from heroin, but there is a withdrawal. Okay. I can tell you from experience having done. Okay. Both. Which, which I appreciate knowing that <laughs> I've never been on an opiate. Uh, I think, uh, but, but certainly like going off of the effects are was like a significant. Yeah. It was like, yeah. Yeah. So, um, tell me what I should think of this new Taylor Swift album. I mean, okay. Obviously I'm the ultimate fan girl. So she's had two albums since we last spoke. She had Lover, which came out um, last August, and then she has uh, Folklore, which came out a couple of weeks ago. And I was actually supposed to see her in Los Angeles at Loverfest. She was only doing a handful of concerts or was only supposed to do a handful of concerts this year. I spent a lot of money to get um, a floor seats for me and my friend Catherine. We were going to see Fall Out Boy and Green Day and Weezer the night before in um, at, at Dodger Stadium. And then at the new SoFi Stadium, we were going to see Taylor Swift the following night. Obviously, all that was canceled. Um, as upset as I am that I didn't get to see that concert, uh, Folklore was a pretty great consolation prize. And I have to be honest, although I came to really like Reputation as an album, especially after I saw it in concert twice. And if you haven't seen it in concert, the Netflix concert is phenomenal and really captures the experience. And I honestly, the more I think about it, like I think that she, I think we even talked about this on the show. Like I think she designed that album with the intention of it being like almost like a Broadway stage show of it being a public performance rather than like a, a normal listening experience. Uh, and so I've come around to liking Reputation a lot. And I liked Folklore. I, I liked Lover. You know, I thought it had some good songs and was a sweet album. Folklore is absolutely in my top three records of hers. So it's, it's and, and the order can vary. Red 1989 Folklore might be Red Folklore 1989. It might be 1989 Folklore Red. Like, I, I, <laughs> I could go in any of those permutations. But for me, it is it is instantly one of my favorite records of hers. And I've always loved The National. And oh, yeah. I, I like I've been a massive, massive national fan. And it was actually so funny the night before she like announced the surprise album, swear to God, hand to God. I went through some weird music listening rabbit hole where I was listening to something and then I was listening to churches. And there's a churches song where the lead singer, The National, um, does uh has like a, a feature and when i heard that song i was like oh i want to listen to the national again and so i started listening to the national and then i started listening to taylor swift and then like six hours later she's like i'm putting out this album with like the bassist from the national like i was like okay wait what so for me it's it's this perfect fusion of like one of my favorite bands and one of my favorite types of music 
and one of my favorite songwriters. And I didn't, ex- I didn't know what to expect. The sound is completely different than what I was expecting, but I fucking love it. I think it's an amazing album. Uh, fine then. I'm not going to tell you what I think. No, I want to know what you think. If you hate it, I'm happy to hear that. The only reason I've ever liked Taylor Swift is for the pop. Got it. I like jilted. I like uh, beefing Taylor Swift. And I like She's the... beefing on this album, man. Is she? Because I yes. only gave it one listen and it was so grown up. Like, I, it felt so mature that I, I, I kind of lost interest before I even paid attention to any of the lyrics. I did. Okay. I did like the. I liked Exile with uh, Exile Bonavere. Yeah, amazing song. To me, that's the standout song on the uh, album. I think that's like an amazing, amazing song. Um, okay, so first of all, I agree with you that it lacks the pop, right? Like you lack the hook. No, although no sugar. Inter- although no, no sugar. Although interestingly, I think that you could, with different production, take these songs, like especially like the, there's this song um, called Betty which Betty, I think they've actually released it to country radio. Betty is a song that would, that could be at home on speak now, which well, is sure. And I've heard, I've heard acoustic covers of some of her truly pop stuff that right. have shown that those songs actually make really good. Yes. Serious songs. Right. Like well, her well, songwriting. I, I cannot fault her for songwriting. No, no, no. I well, just... actually, right. Well, actually this, this was sort of my, 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 my thesis. This is the like inverse of 1989. Because 1989, you could break down all the highly produced pop stuff and you could make the, like, the bones could be something like folklore. Whereas folklore... As as evidenced by what's-his-name. Ryan Adams, yeah. Yeah. Whereas folklore, I think that you could do the inverse where you could beef up the production and change it around and make these, like, bona fide pop songs. Not all of them, but at least some of them. Um, I will say My Tears Ricochet, which is track five... Um, that is more than like that. You want like beefy Taylor. Like she is, she's like, um, you know, uh, she's, it's basically from the, my interpretation of it is that it is about, uh, her break from, uh, big machine records. And she basically is talking about like, um, you know, like, um, yeah, you're, you're listening to it. She's, she's like, uh, she was like, uh, you know, it was like, basically we gather here we we line up weeping in the sunlit rooms so like you're at my funeral um and and she's basically talking about like like you're you're on my like you're at my funeral and like I, I didn't have it in myself to go with grace and so the battleships will sink beneath the waves you had to kill me but it killed you just the same cursing my name wishing i stayed you turned into your worst fears like it's it's a pretty intense song where she's just basically like you're at my funeral watching me like even though um, I, I, I loved you. What did I do to deserve this? Um, and like, and, and if I'm dead to you, why are you at the wake? Cursing my name, wishing I stayed, looking at how my tears ricochet. It's it's a pretty intense song. There's another one where it called um, uh, Mad Woman. And this is a good one. This is one of her first use uh, is a, a fuck on, on a song. <laughs> um, and, and she's like, um, you know, she's like a, Oh, it's right in the. I remember. I heard. I yeah. heard that in the like first four lines. Exactly. I was like, exactly. "Well, that's it's, new." Yeah, it's just like, it's like what, what do you sing on your drive home? Do you see my face in the neighbor's lawn? Does she smile or does she mouth "fuck you" forever? <laughs> it's like it's, it's and, and then the court like the pre-chorus is like every time you call me crazy, I get more crazy. What about that? And when you say I'm angry, I get more angry. 
And, and she's talking about like, there, there's nothing like a mad woman. Uh, what a shame she went mad. And that one uh, is kind of read, or at least I read it is about Scooter Braun who bought her masters who she doesn't like. Yeah. And like, that is angry song. Like that is like every much is like a better than revenge style okay. song. So I will wait to hear the pop covers of this album before I make any, uh, any final decisions. I mean, it is a Taylor Swift podcast. I have to, I have to give this you a have fair to, chance. You have to give it a shot. I will say also, it's a very fall album, like, and it's still sort of warm out. So I have a feeling this is one of those albums that's going to like, Sink, I don't know, at least for me. over the winter. Totally. I mean, so Red is my favorite album of hers. Like probably it's, it's like a toss up between Red and 1989. I think Red is her best album. Um, and, and it remains to be seen for me if this will replace that. Like from a songwriting perspective, I think it could. But Red does have the hook. Red does have the pop. It does have the sugar. You know, it has the we are never, ever getting back together. There is a certain irony that she has now ma- made the the indie record uh, much cooler than hers, uh, <laughs> herself. But uh, no, I, I, but, but I, 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 I feel your critique. But yeah, I, it's interesting because I think that I would love to hear somebody rework her songs into more like traditional pop songs. Cause I think that you could the same way that her other stuff, you know, you could like tear down. I think that you could build these up. I think it's just the production. Fair enough. I accept your thesis. In, but in, but into I, our, I, I, into our Taylor I would, Swift doctorate program. Yeah, basically. But I want you to listen to it more. Cause I want to hear your thoughts and um, especially listen. Oh, also great song. The last great American dynasty fucking baller song it's about this real woman um who owned like the house that she like she owns this massive mansion in rhode island that's like bigger than anything and it's about the woman who owned the house before her who was a socialite who like married like the 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 heir to standard oil and um she was she was a fucking like bananas person like she got in trouble for like dying a neighbor's cat green and she like would clean the pool with champagne legit dolly made her earn um the fight over her estate like she she funded um uh, the ballet for a long time like the fight over her estate was pretty bananas like where people were like leaving her apartment like basically like just stealing as much of her shit as they could her kids were all kinds of fucked up, like seriously fucked up. Like she had like four or five husbands. Like this woman, like Rebecca Harkness, a like, fucking baller. And the song is about her. And then at, like the, the last like a uh, couplet is like, um, you know, Taylor, you know, talks about how she basically, you know, bought this house. Um, and uh, at, you know, there was, was kind of a similar reaction by the people in the town when, when she bought the house to this woman. And um, I found this New York magazine, uh, uh, cover story from like 1983 when the woman died about kind of the tragedy around her and her family and the whole thing. And then there was a book about that, that I got off of Amazon before everybody and their brother wrote like a, what the, you know, last great American dynasty song is about because the book is out of print. So I got it for like $8 and now it is far more than $8. So, uh, Good, good going, obsessive, compulsive Christina <laughs> uh, on that one. Um, but um, yeah, that song is is probably the closest thing to like a pop track on the album track right. three. I will do some more homework. 
all right, yeah, do some more homework and we'll talk about this again. What homework do you have for me? Should I be listening to anything or watching anything um, other than um, what was the CBS show? Um, Life in Pieces. Life in Pieces. What else uh, should I watch or listen to? Have you heard Kay Flay? Haven't. I want to hear your thoughts on Kay Flay. She's she's my current favorite artist. She's, I don't know how to classify her. I, I guess you would say like, hip hop over like EDM beats, but also she sings and falls into more of a, oh, who, I had a comparison that I've forgotten now, but yeah, give it a shot. Tell me what you think. We'll, we'll compare notes in a week. Gotcha. I, I will definitely do that. All right. Well, that, that was a great season two opener episode. Good We're to back, hear from baby. you. Yeah. I look forward to uh, to making this a weekly thing. Yes, I am too. All right. Get some sleep. Thanks, Brett. You get some sleep too. The system is going down low.